I was just a couple steps ahead of them. And so I began to lead, and I had no idea. God was saying, this is what you're going to do the rest of your life. You're going to lead. And it started way back then as a teenager. Mm. So apostolic oneness. And I'm not going to share every point because we don't have time for that. But the Jesus movement, oh, my gosh. It so impacted my life, but it impacted the church. Let me tell you, the church like you see it today is largely, it was birthed in, not just, I know we said the worship, but it's not just the worship was impacted by the Jesus movement. Everything you see was impacted by this sweeping revival called the Jesus movement. A lot of what you see in contemporary Christianity started back in the 60s with a bunch of hippies getting saved all across the United States. Most of it outside the church. The church didn't even know what to do with it. They're like, what is this? I remember that debate because I was involved in church and I was involved in the Jesus movement. And they're like, we don't know what to do with their music and the way they look. It's just not, it's not church-like. So we changed church. We changed the church, yeah. So it really started back then. And I was always moved by the radicalness of that call. I've always been moved to be a radical Christian, not just settle for the norm. And then there was Bible college where I met... Some call it International Bridal College. <laughs> I met my lovely bride, Linda, over there. Love you, baby. And there were these, these things that they spoke. The one that really stands out to me, and again, I could share all of these, but it's the Word of God and how it's not just that it's God-breathed. They said, whatever you do in ministry, you want to make sure you're lined up with the Word of God. And if it's not in the word, why are you doing it? If you can't back it with the word, why are you doing it? And then, but if you can back it with the word, this is the other thing they taught me. Never make apologies for God's word. Amen. And if there was ever a time where that statement needs to ring true, it's now as the clash between our culture and God's word heats up. We need to be true to God's word, church. Never ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of God's word. I'm thrilled to know, and I know God knows my heart, that we've always tried to line up what we do with the word of God. So International Bible God, that was the formative years. They changed me. This Richard Curtis, 66 years old now, this same Richard Curtis that was a teenager back then, that's where I was changed and became who I am and who you've seen these last 14 years. Some of you longer than that. And then the first church we pastored in West Frankfort, Illinois. All of our kids were born in that town. Calvary Bible Church. Of those things, and they all, all of them were things that changed our ministry. Body ministry was the biggest. Every place we've been, we've tried to pour in and teach that God is, uses the fivefold to raise up the body to do the work of the ministry. It's not meant for some superstars to do it all. That was never his intention. Ever. Ever. And I am so thrilled that Caleb believes this with everything in his heart. 
I shared, I added something to this that wasn't there when we taught this, and that's the last one, can't be everything to everybody. And I shared this with Caleb at one of our, every Wednesday we've met together for the past five months, except for maybe two or three Wednesdays. We said, let's try to keep it for two hours. It was usually four hours. <laughs> Sometimes, uh, in fact, I remember before that when we were teaching Discipleship 201, and when everybody would leave, he goes, let's talk, <laughs> you know, and we would sit down and talk until the, I mean, until it was late, and the, the heat had gone off one night, I remember we were like 11 o'clock, we're like, I was like, my teeth were chattering, and uh, you know, and I said, oh, that's right, it's on a timer, man, and we were freezing, so in one of our meetings, I shared this with him, at this church, I tried to be everything to every person that came in, I, if they liked it slow, I said, well, yeah, we do it slow, and if they liked it loud, I said, we do it loud. And, and all of the things I said were true. We did do all those. But they were like, this is what I like. And I was saying, we can do what you like. And then I began to realize that we lost most of those people. Most of them didn't stay because we disappointed all of them by trying to be everything to everyone. And so we began to realize we need to figure out what is the DNA of this local church. And whatever it is, we need to run with it. And so we know, for example, that Valley View is not for everybody. We get that. And we're even okay with that. We understand that there may be some people coming in here and make a beeline for the door back out and go, what on earth was that? And we're like, that's okay. There's like 40 other churches that don't do what we're doing. But this is what our DNA, and this is what God's called us to be that expression of his word. So I made up my mind at that point, not only to not make excuses for God's word, but to say, hey, what's the DNA of our church, and to run with it. And so that was our first church. Man, 22 years old, baby. We were were just kids trying to pastor a church. Craziness. This was our largest church and our youngest church. Um, and it was the most radical change. Transform, the transformation ministry took place here. Radical changes in our ministry. Everything changed from what we were at Calvary Bible Church to this church. All the things that God impregnated me with vision-wise at Calvary Bible Church, we gave birth to here. We got to try out so many things on the people. And, <laughs> and they loved it. They loved it. They ran with it. They... Went for it. It was his. It was as radical. The change was as radical as this. We started off there wearing suits. Every time I preached, I wore a suit. I remember going to a sawdust youth camp and preaching in a suit. And by the end, we, you know, everything was moving casual and leisure, and the music had changed, all kinds of things changed. But more than what you see on the outside, it was all the stuff that we got to do there that changed. And these were the values. I just listed them all. Uh, we, had, we learned there that things didn't happen overnight. That church grew to be the largest church we ever pastored, but that did not happen overnight. We had to persevere. We persevered through some tough months of no growth. Wanting to quit. We talked about obedience. Worship, I'll have to say, and, and worship's part of the DNA of Valley View, but we never experienced worship to the passionate level that we did there. And we saw the glory of God respond 
to that incredibly passionate worship. And I mean, you look out, it would, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody not worshiping. They were all going for it. And so God's presence came. And it's no joke. We haven't seen that here to this degree. We've seen a little taste of it. But we saw so many people, this is the truth, saved while we were worshiping. Healed while we were worshiping. Delivered while we were. It was just like you look out and you see all this activity just going on. And you're like, oh, wow, God's up to some good stuff again today. It was awesome. And I know because of the DNA of this church and worship that God has some big things in store. By the way, that spilled over into youth camps. I met this fine couple that pastored a vineyard church for several years, by the way. We have a couple other vineyardites right up here, our daughter and her husband out in Denver. Um, but I met you at Radical Era at a youth camp. And they can testify to the fact that it wasn't just confined to a church. Even at youth camp, pick up a guitar, you start to strum, and kids start to cry, kids start to come forward, kids start to... It was just crazy. And so I, and I need to add a little appendum here. So people will say, well, they're just teenagers. They're not going to do this. Shut up already. Stop saying that. Teenagers can experience the glory of God. And I speak right now. This place will be filled with teenagers. On fire for Jesus. Sold out. We took our kids. They were too young to go. They got to go because I was the speaker. They experienced. They know what I'm talking about. They saw it. It was just, oh. I, to think that we got to be involved in stuff like this. Community. You guys know that I've done this over and over and over and over again. That Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> so that's the way churches for a lot of people. We have a lot of lone rangers in churches. And I get different personalities. You know, I'm somebody who's kind of inhibited. It's hard to believe that, but I am. I, I'm not an outgoing person. But listen, Christianity was never meant to be a lone ranger Christianity. It was meant to be shared. There are 30 one another's. 30 one another's. You can't do a one another by yourself. And there are 30 of them in the word of God. One another's. 30 of them. 30 of them. On community, my wife reminded me, we have hardwood floors made out of bamboo. Do you know what bamboo is? It's reeds. Reeds. But when you take those reeds and you go through this process and then you heat them up in the fire and you twine them together. I can't remember. What's, what's that called? I wrote it down. The uh, what, what scale? Jenka scale. The Jenka scale on a Jenka scale, they're one of the hardest hardwood floors you can have. And they start off as a reed. By ourselves, we're like a reed. But you twine us together and add a little heat. The heat's not the fun part. Add a little heat. That's where we become so solid. My son was sharing, uh, just getting to experience community as a leader in his church and talking about getting to go through things with different people, even hard things that you go through with people. 
Some of the comments on our Facebook, I'm reading, thank you for being with us through some of the hardest time in our lives. And I'm thinking to myself, my gosh, so this is community. We did all of that at this church. It was just mind-blowing, so much fun. Thank you, Lord, for letting SIC happen. And then the last one we shared was Reflection of Christ. Kentucky, we were 42 to 48, most cohesive vision, unity of churches. But what I want to I bring us back to where I left you, the threat within. And, and we had experienced unbelievable unity among the pastors. And then there was a mix that came in and split all that up. And it really discouraged me because I'd never seen unity among the pastors like I'd seen there. And it really discouraged me. It took a hit. I didn't realize that God was, the enemy was setting me up as well and hitting me. And then in our church, we had all these cells, and one of our cell leaders kind of went rogue. And it was our largest cell group. And that threat within our church, and I became so discouraged, ultimately ended up leaving that church. And, but I didn't just leave the church. My ambition at time, at that moment, in all honesty, was to leave ministry. I was done. I was finished. I was over. We had a huge sale of stuff. I sold off all these commenters, all these books, all these things, and I gave them away to ministers. I was like, I'm done. I want to get a secular job. That was my thought. I just want to get a job like the rest of you guys have. I want a job like that. And so I didn't realize how hard that was going to be. These, this is the two comments I heard for a year. I either heard I was too qualified, because for years all I'd been was full-time ministry, but I pastor, when you pastor smaller churches, you wear a ton of hats. So I was pretty qualified at a lot of stuff, but so they either said I was too qualified or they said I was not qualified enough. And I ended up, thank God for my wife's nursing job, I ended up doing three part-time jobs during this time. They were all sucky jobs. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. That's something early on in ministry I probably would have never said either. So probably shouldn't, probably shouldn't say it now. They were crappy jobs. That's just as bad, huh? And I remember early on in the process, I saw the TSA was hiring. And, and the, the wage was still not what I had made in ministry. But at least it was a better wage than these three jobs. And so I applied for that. And they said, you're not qualified enough. It was the same thing I'd heard. But a year later, after about a year of doing this, all of a sudden, I received an email from TSA saying, hey, uh, we want you. And I'm like, what changed in a year? You know, I mean, all of a sudden, I'm qualified. And there were six places around the country, none of them where we lived, but six places around the country where we, you, need, you can start, but we need you to take the test next week, and you need to just tell us where you want to go. And I'm like, what? So at this time, our daughter Leah was in community college, second year at Kentucky, and she was going to go into dance, and we knew that she was either going to go to Arizona, and Phoenix was one of the places that wanted us, or Dayton, Wright State. And <laughs> Phoenix, Dayton. <laughs> and yet I felt in my heart her better chance of getting in was going to be Dayton, I had to literally, by faith, I moved up nine months, eight months, ahead of my family. She was still in school, moved up here, lived in a little one-room studio right by Kroger, and started working at TSA. And I'll never forget, after I went through this intensive training, 
my first day on the job. And I remember as I left, I worked the 12 to 8.30 shift. And as I left at 8.30, I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm actually done. I'm walking out, and I'm done until 12 tomorrow. I'm done. And I said, somebody could get used to this. I like this a lot. Because ministry, that's just not ministry. It's not. You have time off. But it's, it could be interrupted at any time. You're literally 24-7. And so I literally, I loved it. I loved it. But let me tell you, God was after my heart even in those early days. He was after my heart because that's not what I was called to do. Yes, I was discouraged, and yes, I said that. But, you know, after a while, I settled into a groove. I even got to lead some people to the Lord at TSA. It's not like I turned off my Christianity. I shared Jesus with people. I just didn't want the ministry at that time. But about five months into it, there are two, two things that I have to point out to you and share to show you how God was after my heart. We went down to Berea, Kentucky, where our daughter Rachel graduated, and we went to your church. They don't even know this. They don't know that this happened. And there was a young man, younger guy preaching there, and I was just so moved by that. And we celebrated her graduation, and then I was on my way back to Ohio. They were on their way back to Ken- where they lived in Kentucky. And on the way home, I remembered looking at that young man thinking, that was me. What's happened? And I started, I didn't just cry. I wailed for about two hours all the way home. And I said, God, what have I done? What have I done? I'm not where I'm supposed to be, and I don't know how to fix it now. Well, I went back and got back involved, and I just kind of pushed that back. There were times Holy Spirit would just kind of be working with my heart. And about two years into my working at TSA, two and a half years, Linda and I were attending. She was working weekends. I had to work every weekend. That's something we had never done our whole lives. And um, so we were attending Wednesday night at Living Word, uh, Pastor Pat Murray. Um, And I'll never forget, it was at a particular meeting. I was sitting there, and he pointed, and he said, you. And I, yes, you. And I went up, and I remember he began to prophesy. And he said, this is what God said, not Pat. God said, What are you doing? I've called you to feed my sheep. Why are you doing what you're doing? It's time for you to feed my sheep. And I remember I just wailed again as I cried up there. And then I thought, but Lord, I don't even know how to get this started. We're not a part of a denomination. We've never been a part of a denomination. It's not like we can go to the the headquarters and say, here I am. Do you have a place for me? You know, I mean, the headquarters is God. And I'm talking to God saying, where, God? Where? I mean, we're in a new city. My family then moved up and it was up there. And that joined me. Linda was up there and Leah was living with us. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, Linda's job, she got a new job and she was free on weekends. And then Linda looked at me. And again, I think it was prophetic. She said, it's about to happen. It's about to change. 
because she was free. I wasn't. I'm still working weekends. But she was free. And she said, I'm going to check out this little church. We've been driving by this little church over and over again. She'd gone online. She said, man, it's full of life. There's all kinds of young people there. There's prophetic teams. There's this going on. There's worship's going on. All this stuff's going on. She said, I'm going to go check it out. So she walked in, and you have to. And, and those who were here at that time, God bless you because you know Valley View had also been through a tough time, had lost a pastor, and gone over two years without a pastor, and had gone down to a handful of people. So she was a little shocked. Because it wasn't quite, they had not quite updated their website. (laughs) And you can understand. And she walks in and it was literally a little circle of chairs. I'm at work, she's here. And then Tom and his son, Tom Blosser and his son Micah. Micah was playing acoustic and they just sang worship. And then they went off the page. And Linda said, we've been looking everywhere for that. And she called me. And she said, I think I found the next place you're going to pastor. And she said to me, they're going out to eat after. I'm still at work. Going out to eat. With, they want to go out to eat. Is it okay? And I worked at that time the 4 a.m. to noon shift, which, by the way, I am not an early morning person. <laughs> I hated that shift. I hated it. And so when she called, I was just wiped. I was always wiped out, just always tired. And so she called, and I was off, and I just like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to go. I'm tired. And I could hear the disappointment in her voice. So I actually met her at the house, and I said, you want to go, don't you? And yes. So we went, and we sat with a group of people. Some of them were from out of town, had been visiting that Sunday. So they actually, the crowd was actually a little bigger than what it usually was, <laughs> that little circle. And, um, and I really liked the folks, but I had determined at that time, God, if this is you, I'm not going to tell them I've, I've ministered. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to tell them. If it's you, it's got to be you. The next week, I asked my supervisor, I could get off early and to attend church. He gave me permission. I came, walked in. She, I mean, she had told me, but I wasn't prepared quite for the shock. I'll be honest. It was just like this little circle, and it was primarily older people. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is our next, our next church to pastor. <laughs> I was like, this is like a church plant on steroids. It's hard. It's going to be hard. But then they worshiped. And when they worshiped, it grabbed my heart. I remember Howard Spicer, who's gone on to be with Jesus. He turned around because he heard us singing the new song of the Lord. And he commented on it. He said, you guys just sound heavenly. We felt like we were in heaven. But for the next couple months, I didn't say anything about being in ministry. The problem is when most of your life is ministry, most of your stories are ministry stories. And after a while, one of them looked at me and said, you were in the ministry, weren't you? (laughs) And I said, yes. And the process began. And just shy of 14 years ago, in June, Father's Day of 2007, we came on part-time at my request. I wanted to finish out my three years at TSA to become fully vested. 
And in February of 2008, he came full-time. How do you summarize some values at Valley View in 14 years? Well, you're going to see that I did a disservice to every church I've been at because I could only pick things that really impacted us, just like I'm about to do here. And I'm going to lump a few of these together. I'm not going to be long now because I understand there's some other stuff scheduled for today. (laughs) And I want to honor that because I... I mean, just looking out, there's been so much work going into this. And um, Linda and I accidentally, our kids were doing a dinner for us yesterday, and they did it up right at our house and had things brought in. And, but they asked us to go somewhere, so we came here. And so we saw a little bit of the decoration. and we thought, oh, we're not supposed to see this probably. <laughs> so we went into the nursery, and, and we were reminiscing of the goodness of God. We just, we just squalled. It was just, I, the emotions have been so all over the place. So I want to honor you guys and what people are wanting to do to honor us. And, um, and so let me just share with you, by the way, that's us at what age? 52. And that was the sign that they put out at that time. Just under 14 years ago, about three weeks shy of 14 years. By the way, Valley View has the distinction of being the longest place that we pastored is here at Valley View, longer than any of our other three churches. So here are the values, and again, I'm going to lump four of them together because I've already kind of talked about them. I'll just briefly mention these. Worship, Valley View, hear me, hear me please. Worship was part of the DNA of this church before we came. It's what drew us here. Honestly, it was the first thing that drew us here. Worship is still part of the DNA of this church. Go for it. Don't take for granted what you have. And if there's new stuff to you, if you have questions, we can't back it in the Word. We have no business doing it, but I can promise you we can back what we're doing in the Word. Go for it. Worship is part of your D-N-A. That has not changed. You can see it even this morning. Even this morning. Healing. This is a place of healing. Again, that DNA preceded Linda and I. It had already been a place of healing. We just fostered that and kept it going. Two of the people that were healed were Linda and I. And Valley View was also healed during that process. But there's been countless, I can't tell you how many people over 14 years who've come into this place hurting, wounded, and then God healed them. Some of them, many of them were healed and then moved on out and moved into whatever God had for them. A lot of them aren't even here, but they came in wounded and were healed. And I will never forget the healing power of our God at this place. It's part of the DNA here. Embrace it for all its worth. By the way, just as a show of hands, who in this room, because there's some in this room that I know, came into this place wounded, and you were healed coming in here. Raise your hand. I want you to look around. Look around. And this is just a handful of those who came who've been healed. It's part of your DNA. It's a place of redemption. For me, after leaving Kentucky the way I did, this This whole process has been a place of redemption. 
You know, the gospel story, the gospel story is a story of redemption. There's a line in the song Defender. In fact, there's the, I think it's the bridge. You're going to have to help me out, Caleb, where he took all my pieces or something. How does that go? Say, oh, no, come on up here. Say that. I want. This is too important because this is healing. He picked up all my pieces and put me back together. You are the defender of my heart. Yeah. When I thought it lost me, you knew where I, you left. You knew where I left me. That's the whole point. Yeah, yeah, mm. isn't that incredible? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You picked up all the pieces. You knew where you left me. I, listen, this is a place of healing. Valley View. It's part of the DNA. Let that continue. God's God's raised up for whatever reason this church, and some of them will come in, and some of them will continue on out after they're healed. But that's okay. It's all about the kingdom. And destiny. At the beginning, I remember saying this phrase so many times. Because I was just mind blown by how God brought us back into ministry. And I said, God had Valley View for us. And he had us for Valley View. It was literally a marriage made in heaven. Destined by God. There's a story in the Bible where God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. It's a crazy story. It just, it's just crazy. His son that he waited 25 years for. And God says, now I want you to prove your love to me by sacrificing him. It doesn't even make sense in a way of God. But Abraham obeyed and began to take his son. His son said, we have everything but the sacrifice. He said these words, God will provide a sacrifice. I believe he believed that, but he didn't know it. Could he see the sacrifice? All he saw was his son. All the way to the top. All the way to putting his son down. All the way to raising the knife. And God said, stop. The whole time they're coming up this side of the mountain, God had a ram coming up the other side of the mountain. Neither could see each other, but God saw it. God knew it. That was Valley View for us. God had you for us, and God had us for you. Literally, two wounded parties coming together and watching God heal us and raise up what he has done in this place in these last 14 years. Worship, healing, redemption destiny. I would be remiss if I didn't say one of the values that we learned here was IHOP, International House of Prayer, International House of Prayer, the harp and bowl in particular. I want to read here uh, the same. There's scriptures under the first one. You can go back and read later, but I want to read IHOP's statement. The heart of our mission space is night and day prayer and worship. By the way, I should share it right here. In September 19th, 1999, the International House of Prayer in Kansas City began 24-7 prayer. September 19th, 1999, they began 24-7 worship and prayer and have never stopped. Never stopped. That's, that's mind-boggling. 
when they would do conferences, they literally kept the prayer room going, never stopped. And we were influenced, two figures from the Bible who inspire us uh, in this are Anna, one of the first intercessors in the New Testament who prayed and fasted for over 60 years waiting for Jesus to come. And King David, you may not have known this about him, he organized and paid 4,000 musicians and 288 singers to worship God night and day. Revelation 5.8, where does this harp and bow, where does worship and prayer, where do, where do you see that in the Bible? Right here. Revelation 5.8, when Jesus took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, that's worship, and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people, harp and bowl. So in 2008, myself, Mike Petrosky, and Tom, who's gone on to be with Jesus, man, he's experiencing a one-hop all, I mean, a one-year... We went to the One Thing Conference. And I remember there's like 20,000 and primarily young people, a lot younger than me for the most part. And I was just like immersed in this. And I, Linda will tell you, I came back. I've been to many ministerial conferences in my life, many over the years. I came back from this, and for about three days, I just wept most of the time. I had been so moved to my very inner by what I experienced at that place. It was, it was so life-changing that for the next several years, we sent different people out there to their one-year, one-thing conference, as well as other conferences. By the way, isn't it fitting that your coming pastor, Caleb Michelle, spent six years at International House of Prayer? I'll never forget the influence it's had on us. And for three years, we were privileged to begin. Literally, we were part of the start of Dayhop, Dayton House of Prayer. We never got to 24-7, probably not anywhere close. But our team did a set every Friday night for three or four years. Every, and it was some of the best times of my life. And we learned there that it didn't matter who was there because it wasn't for the crowd. Sometimes we, had, we, we were actually blessed to have several people show up usually to ours, but there were times where nobody showed up. And we were playing to the one we were always playing to, the audience of one. It was some of the most special times of my life, our lives, and it influenced us forever, forever. Harp and bow, IHOP. Heaven is another one. This is an odd one. Heaven. How is that of value? Heaven. You mean you just started believing in heaven when you got here? <laughs> I could almost say yes. Obviously, that's not true. I've always believed in heaven. But Valley View not only has the distinction of being the longest place we pastored, it also has the distinction of being the oldest church meeting age that we have ever pastored. They told us in Bible college, they said, for the people that you attract as a pastor to a church, it will usually be 10 years either side of your age. This is proven true for us. By the way, I am so blessed that Abby 
She spent many years, and of course, her wonderful husband, Corey, who took her away from us. <laughs> so blessed to have you. So blessed. So they taught us that people come to a church for different reasons. But those who come because of the pastor, and certainly a pastor is part of that equation. It's usually 10, ten years on either side of you that you'll attract. Man, has that proven true in all but our first church. In our first church plant, we were 30. The median age of that church was 18. I mean, it was all young couples. And then we went to the next church. We were like 48, 50. Most of the people were like older couples. And then we came to Valley View where we were, what, 52 to 66. And by and large, the median age here is the oldest that we've ever had. Now, we believe with all of our heart that part of the reason why God has allowed Caleb and Michelle to come is for a long time we've been praying, God, we need to grow younger. A generation is one, a church is one generation away from dying. Any church is one generation. If you don't have young people and young couples, whatever, enjoy it while you have it. It doesn't matter how good it is, you're one generation away. Just ask the little church up in Cleveland because that's where they're at. They're at, the, at death's door, basically, as a church, as a church. And so I know the future, this is going to be part of it, and it's going to grow younger. Nothing else, because you have young pastors. But because it's an older church, I will tell you this. We have done, I have done, more funerals here than all of my other three churches combined. Including three elders, two of whom died untimely deaths and impacted me greatly. It was rough. Still is rough. Still is rough. Some of the comments on Facebook, when they were saying you were with us through our hardest time, were people that we did their funeral for parents here. And we were there for them. I can tell you this. Somebody once said, the more heaven becomes populated with people I know, the more homesick for heaven I get. With my issues, health issues that I've had the last couple of years, they've been no, this church has been wonderfully supportive and patient, even as I've struggled to breathe at times and gone through different painful things. And then my wife's episode with cancer. I can remember when we found out that diagnosis and she told me, it felt as though somebody had hit me in my gut and all the air went. I was like, this doesn't happen to us, but it was happening. And I can remember her in bed. She had a playlist of worship songs. She was still working through some of that and having to get up earlier than I was. And I would hear that playlist going as she soaked herself in worship, embracing Jesus for all he was and believing for her healing. And I remember going in there just crying because every time I'd hear that playlist going, I would think, God, I don't want to lose my wife. I don't want to lose her. And I remember one time we knelt down together and it's like heaven became more real to me than ever. I was just like, oh my gosh, 
Paul groaned to be to take off this mortality, unclothe the mortality, and clothe with immortality. And I felt a little bit of that groaning, like, oh, heaven is going to be crazy, unbelievable. And so many of my friends have gone there ahead of me. People at IBC, our Bible college, are starting to pass away just because of our age. And we're here of this one dying, this one dying. The more heaven becomes populated, the more homesick I get. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. So heaven, yes, heaven's actually become more real to me here at Valley View than it ever was before. And the last one is finishing strong. Finishing strong. Valley View, I have to tell you that as God looks down over this whole process that began about one year ago, began before that for Linda and I talking about our retirement, but it was about one year ago that I sat down with the elders and shared with them that we wanted to retire by the end of this year. We had changed some of our plans. I'll never forget Fred, my good brother Fred back there. He said, I like the 70-year-old plan better. <laughs> and I was like, well, things have changed, you know. I mean, the things we've gone through have made us realize that, um, and we just feel like it's time. When we sing that song today in the first parts of it where it's time, you know, I felt like that was prophetic. It's time. It's the right time. And I shared with them again a year ago, and then we met this incredible couple, incredible couple in July of last year. It's nothing short of miraculous, honestly. Honestly, nothing short of miraculous. Because you think, again, we're not part of a denomination. Where are we going to find the next pastors? And we went to Jeff and Bethany, and they had been to IHOP. And we said, would you think about coming back and being pastors? They said, no, we really feel like we're supposed to stay right where we're at. But we know a couple. We know a couple in Dayton. I mean, think about it. The fact they lived in Dayton allowed us to do what we've been doing these last five months. They didn't have to uproot. They didn't have to move. They didn't have to try to find a house. They're still living in the same house they were living in back in July. Although they were trying to get them to move a little closer to us. <laughs> we might have a house for sale. <laughs> And so we met, and of course, they came in incognito here. Sorry for doing that, but we were checking them out, and they were checking us out. We had them lead worship. We had them preach before we ever announced anything. And you guys are used to different speakers coming and going, and so you didn't even catch on, thankfully. <laughs> and then during that process, God was cementing the fact that this was right. This was right. This was him. He was in it, his stamp of approval. I already share with you how we've been meeting together weekly. I love this brother. Like a son in the faith. I love him. And I looked at him, and he'll tell you, they'll tell you, at our first dinner together when we invited them over, I wept and I said, I love Valley View, and I want Valley View. I want it to go on, and I want it to go on strong. Because that's our desire. So I haven't always been able to finish strong. I certainly didn't in Kentucky. 
And I've always believed you're no success without a successor. Well, I can't even say that I've always done that, but I knew that this time, place of redemption, that this was going to be done right. And I've had several people in, in this church who've come up and actually thanked me and said, you have no idea. Other pastors, they just announced and then they were leaving, gone. And then leave it up to us to try to find somebody. And to, the fact that you would stay and search and be here and watch the transition go on. And we've literally watched, I've watched you guys adapt to them. And over the last five months, watch it slowly shift from me over to them. And that's a weird feeling, by the way. As good as it is, it's still a weird feeling. It's just like, hey, you upstart over there. I haven't left yet. You know. But I feel Father's pleasure over this whole thing. I literally feel, I hear, I hear him saying, well done, Rich. You've done this right. And it blesses me. It so blesses me because I believe somebody said, and I understand, I get it. This is bittersweet for us. Bittersweet for us. And I understand some people said, it's, it's, it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be you guys. And I say, I know it's going to be better. <laughs> because I believe that. I believe that. I'm honored that people want to honor us. I am beyond blown away by this day beyond blown away and all i've seen are the crazy decorations and this huge sign out front like announcing to the whole world and so we're going to close this message I'm so glad I got to close it with you, my Valley View family. And um, there's a couple things we're going to do, and we're going to sing a song. I happen to know, and it's so good to have Lois and Kay and Mel with us. Love this, this, these fit people and how special they've been with uh, to us. And this is like we're going to be singing one of their favorite songs, but it's such a fitting song called The Goodness of God. We're going to kind of close out and turn it over to Caleb here in just a minute. But there's two things I need to say here. And that is, um, I received this card from Jim Medley. Jim Medley was a, a treasurer here. He came in. He was faithful here. And then uh, his work took him to California. Now he lives in Columbus. He's also retired. Um, and he wrote this. And it's the Valley View part in particular. He says some things to me in here too. But it's really the Valley View part that I want you to hear. It says, congratulations, Pastor Rich. Congratulations on your retirement. Having lived in two different cities since leaving Englewood. I've tried well over a dozen different churches, and they have all paled in comparison to Valley View. I particularly appreciated the example you set for us. You have made your dash count. Enjoy this new phase of your life, Jim. Valley View is far from perfect. We know it. Those of us who know Valley View, we know that we have so many shortcomings. We've never tried to pretend like we got it all together because we don't. But it is unique. This is really a unique place, and it's becoming more unique in the landscape of churches. There's something special about this place. And Jim's words really spoke to that, and I just want to tell you, Valley View, we've been honored to be here. The second thing I want to share with you before we sing this song is I've got a homework assignment for you. 
On the back, yeah, the last thing I'm doing is giving you a homework assignment. On the back of your paper are all the values that I share. All of them. And this is what, and this is so important. I need you to do this. Valley View Church family. Not now. Don't do it now. Don't do it now. But I need you to do this over the next couple of weeks. And it's simple. You literally go through five. I think we excel in that. Valley View excels in that. Zero. We, we're not even off the, off the charts. I mean, we haven't even hit it. We haven't even started. Yeah. I was going to say we suck at it, but I've already said that word. So, and then everything in between. But then I want you to give them to Pastor Caleb so that he can look over those and say, because he has another thing that he does as well, but he can look over these values, and it'll be interesting. And there may be different perspectives from different people. He'll weigh out the average and figure out the average of all those. But it's really important. I want to know that the last words that I spoke count and that they live on, that they live on. So I'm going to ask the worship team to slip up here. Um, And we're going to sing this song. And then we're going to turn it over. And just a minute, I told Caleb I have one more thing at the, after the song to do. Very brief. 